Hello, dreamers. Welcome back to the show. If this is your first time watching or listening, welcome. Thanks for stopping by. Hit subscribe on the YouTube channel. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram at livingthedream506. Share it. Tell your friends about it. All that good stuff. Everything helps. So thanks, at the very least, for just being here. My guest today is the lead singer and guitar player for The Slip, as well as the Bar Brothers. And his new solo album, A Winter Mission, is out now. So check that out. And please give it up for Brad Barr. How you doing? I'm doing good. Yeah, I'm doing very well. Extremely cold in Montreal today. Is that um, where you are? Yeah. Where are you? New Brunswick. All right. Close to St. John. Yeah. I bet it's cold there too, ish. It's very cold here, right? Like today, yeah. Yeah. Minus 35, I think, is what they say. Uh, I don't think we're that cold right now. Yeah. This is That's like, what you got, eh? It's pretty severe. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I'm not, uh, yeah, every winter feels like my first winter in, in Canada. <laughs> yeah, but, uh, that's true, especially the last, uh, the last couple of years, we've had some pretty, not cold and not, they haven't been typical Atlantic Canada winters, really, like it's been mostly like wet winters. That's what I would have thought anyway, just because... I grew up in a, you know, in Rhode Island where it's, it's wet. It's not, right. it's never, it's never cold like this. Um, Close to the ocean, you get the milder winters. Yeah. Yeah. Inside chill, I guess. Or like, I don't know, the, the humid chill. Right. Uh, nothing a hot shower won't fix. I, I, uh, I shaved. I realized I wasn't sure if this was an audio or video recording. So I, I shaved anyway. Nice. Better safe than sorry. Yeah. <laughs> so Montreal, how how are things in Quebec right now? It's uh, uh probably depends who you ask. Um, <laughs> like for me, uh, we were just talking about that for like my wife and I. Um, for us, the hardest thing is is watching our son, who's seven years old, have to. Um, you know, the, the solitude that he has to go through. <clears throat> I think about like teenagers, like people kind of in that coming of age period when they're 16, 17, 18, when for me, it was all about 
going to see live shows, going, you know, just wherever with a group of people, you know, um, so that, that must suck for them. For me, you know, married, I've, I've gotten, you know, lots of my kicks out. I've had, you know, uh, certainly several lifetimes of, of going out and having fun. Um, I can, I'm at peace with it and, and find a lot of solace and satisfaction in, in just going to our studio, working down there, occasionally seeing some friends, you know, once every couple of weeks. Um, but yeah, if you look at the numbers, it looks bad. Um, I, I, or at least overwhelming for the hospitals. I'm, I'm I, I don't know. I like taking out, I like whatever anyone's position is on this thing. I like taking up the other side just to learn more about, uh, just to kind of push things a little to the edge. And uh, I don't know, I'm, it hasn't really helped me as I'm still, yeah. it's still, yeah. No, I hear what you're saying. I have, a, I have an 11 year old, so he's going through the same things with like, He's not allowed to play hockey right now. He's not allowed to play basketball right now. He's not allowed to go to school right now. Son of a um, bitch. And similar to you, I'm, I'm at home. I've got my girlfriend here. And 50% of the time, I've got my son here with me. So I don't need to go out to enjoy my life. That's actually, I prefer to be home with my family and to do those things. But I was coaching hockey. So it, spending that time was important to my son and myself. So losing that is tough and definitely losing live music is tough because that is sort of what I do for this. And that was any of my spare time is usually spent trying to travel and go to live music. And as the Northern Lights show a week before March, 2020, like a week before everything locked down, I was packing to go to Iceland for a three night concert and then going on to do some more European travels for the first time ever. And it, so that hit hard, but like you said, it, it's, that is a, that's not as hard on me as it is on the, the healthcare workers, like you said, and a lot of people have suffered a lot more than having to miss recreation, but yeah. It's, it's it's definitely hard on the kids. That's the that's the hardest part. Like you said, you when you were in a teenager, that's what you were doing to kind of grow. And especially for our younger kids, this is there's no no way to know how this affects a child right now, right? Yeah, uh, you know, I mean, try and look at the positive. They'll maybe they'll be become more comfortable being alone, um, right? You know, and all of this is to say nothing of the, I was another debate I had with someone where I was like, who got, who got it the worst? And I was like, man, the teenager, someone who just got their license and had tickets to the, you know, all these concerts they wanted to go see. And she was like, well, what about the, the old folks who are dying who can't see their family? And it's like, yeah, it's, uh, it's hard to argue. <laughs> It's hard to argue when death is on the line. So I, I guess, um, but yeah, like you said, uh, uh, since you asked how, how it's going here, I, I, I'd say, I'd say everyone, everyone I talk to is in pretty good spirits, you know, starting to, you know, I, I think the, the most um, sort of brooding issue for me is have I actually become um, acclimated to solitude in a way that even when it's not necessary as far as you know the health system says uh am i going to feel as compelled to go out or am i am i did i did this just get sort of pounded into me to the point where i'm like institutionalized as they say in I, mean, yeah, I feel the same way like We've been fairly lucky in New Brunswick. Like the first year of the pandemic didn't touch us. Things remained open. We had like basically zero cases for pretty much a year. Like it, it really was not, it wasn't here that we didn't feel what was going on in the world. And I 
I noticed during that time, certain like drive-through shows started to come back and people started to try to have smaller gatherings and just like slowly build back towards a normal. And I felt the same way where it's like, I almost don't want to participate in before life anymore. And it, yeah, that's a little affected psychologically for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I just kind of wanted to see what your perspective was too, like as a performer where you're like, your job is to be in those situations that have been taken away from us. Um, and especially in Quebec where they have curfews and they seem fairly strict on like the government side of things. It's, it's just almost frightening of what's going to become of the late night entertainment industry. Well, I, um, I consider myself lucky. I got a, to do a little um, dose of, of you know, live music and a little tour with our band, The Slip, um, which was, uh, I'm guessing you're familiar with it only because one of our, the only scenes in Canada that, that uh, knew of The Slip was in New Brunswick. So um, oh, yeah. I cut my teeth on The Slip. Okay, nice. What was it? The Evolve Fest kind of? That was, that was Nova Scotia. But... Yeah, Evolve was some of the great experiences with the slip. Personally, was uh, Sunseeker. Do you remember Sunseeker Fest? Like, I do. Like Kingston yeah. Peninsula. That was yeah. like probably one of the most formative musical experiences in my life because that was right when I was first getting into the scene. Was that, was that the one? Was Buck 65 and Kid Koala also on that? Buck 65 for sure. Um, Blue Quarter. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I think Blue Quarter and The Slip that year, like the two main headliners, that was that was an incredible year for sure. I just remember the ride in the from the airport to the festival. I don't remember much else, but I remember being in the car with, with Buck 65, Rit Rich um, and Eric Kid Koala, meeting those guys for the first time. Yeah, not, not knowing what their profile was, having no idea, thinking, uh, you know, it's Canada. What, there's these guys; they don't really have huge artists in Canada. Do they? I mean, <laughs> um, feeling like I uh, actually refreshingly could like talk to them without, because I had no idea how what amazing artists and and kind of larger than life personas they are they i uh it was a very like relaxed easygoing you know human to human conversation uh, otherwise i've i've been known to get kind of tongue-tied around uh you know people that i really admire and respect so i'm glad i did not admire or respect either of them <laughs> <laughs> that's the way that i do now right <laughs> yeah i mean those were those were incredible times and very small, intimate festivals. Um, one of the yeah, all my experiences with the slip have been real close to home, just like an hour away. Like even at uh, I think the bar was called Neptunes in St. John, and you guys just played a, a headlining show there one night. Just yeah, I still that's one of the most ingrained memories of my young music life growing up. I was just like a, I was a teenager, probably not even in my twenties at that point. This would have been like 2000, 2001. Yeah. Very early two thousands. Here's where in the podcast, you cut to the audio. (laughs) I loved it. (laughs) The playing at Neptune's. Yeah. I do remember that spot.
tables? Yeah, I believe so. Like on the yeah. on the bar side of things. Yep. Second floor, or that, uh, maybe. Well, this, this one was oh, a first floor, and first floor, uh, okay. I mean, like I can still hear even rats ringing in my ears. Like, oh, then it would have been later. Then it would have been more like two thousand six. Oh, really? If it, with even if it was even rats, yeah, then it would have been. Yeah. Oh five, oh six. Yeah. Okay. So that show would have been yeah. Um, Sunseeker, I believe, was earlier two thousands. I think so. Well, all to say, I, I we got to do a run of shows at the Slip. Um, it feels really good right now. I don't know if if you're a musician out there who's uh, used to playing on the road, used to playing live shows, and you've been uh, holding off from doing so for whatever reason. I I recommend playing a show, even if it's really small capacity to some degree i we did those slip shows and the turnout was great and it was really fun to play just felt like yeah felt like just so dialed in i don't know so appreciated by ourselves and the people and then, and then a few weeks ago i did a solo show um with the the music uh from the upcoming record uh the winter mission that instrumental music for 20 people and that felt great. If you're a musician wondering whether to go play a show, I'd say go go do it because it feels really, really good after not doing it for a couple of years. You know, it just, even if it's like a house concert for 10 people, I feel like there's some something uh, gained from the, you know, the restraint we've shown holding off. It's like you said, like you, you start to feel institutionalized. You almost, it's been so long and it's been so mentally taxing that you forget what you did and why you loved it. And a simple, a simple show is a huge reminder of those emotions and those feelings that you, the, well, the reason you do it, the whole, yeah. the whole thing. It's, it's true. And, and we have to be careful because identity is kind of what, you know, drives us towards doing that they're doing it in the first place and yeah that's why I, that's my why i say it was my one sort of brooding concern is that our identities might start to shift as well i'm someone who just likes to hang out at home and work on the computer and you know facetime with people it's like well hopefully that doesn't get too ingrained um so yeah i'm remain conscious and and to tell you the truth i was actually quite nervous to do the solo show i even like tried to think of ways to get out of it i i remember booking it it was at my friend's space and they're actually about to close down um close up shop i i imagine mostly due to the fact that business uh has not been thriving so i said well, oh i want to play here one one uh just a show to sort of signify the the space and what you guys did and uh and realized yeah i had to sort of push myself because the next day i was like what what am i doing don't call them up and cancel that and even up until a week before i was thinking how i could get out of it because i was, I was like how, how am i gonna do this but be up there and then i did it and it was just it was magical you know it wasn't perfectly perfectly played but it was magical yeah, that's awesome. It's weird the the introverted side of side of us kind of taking a bit of control these days. Yeah, thrives. Yeah, it does. Yeah, in some ways, I feel like oh, I've been. Uh, yeah, well, wondering just how much I I actually do enjoy it. You know, we're all. Yeah. Anyway, same same thing. Same uh, same concept. Um, you do that. What do you What do you mean? Enjoy playing music? Uh, oh no, uh, no. Enjoy uh, being isolated, having an excuse to isolate. Like uh, I remember right away thinking, "Oh, I've been, I've been sort of steering, preparing for this, like with having our own studio." You know, I mean, I guess having a kid, you know, you you kind of start to see people less and less, and or some of us do um, go out less and less. And, you know, with my studio, I ended up, even before the pandemic, kind of just going there, working all day, coming home, cooking dinner, 
putting everyone to bed, watching a movie. So I, I, I felt like I've been kind of prepping for this uh, uh, pandemic lockdown for a while and, and, and it kind of suits me, which I think is what you're saying also. It's like, yeah, just how much I, so um, yeah, I, and that, you know, that could be true but I know that it's really good for me and for people to yeah, get out there, get out there, see folks. I mean, you know, every time you go and hang out with some people in the, you know, recent days, you're like, why? Oh man, it's great to see. It's like, feels really good. Let's do this. Can we do this like once a week? It is, you know? Um, so yeah, got to sort of fight against a certain impulse to a conditioning. Yeah, definitely. Has it affected your writing in any way? Like, you, like you said, you kind of already had the the infrastructure built for your recording and things like that. So the only thing that really changed was the external forces. And has that really taken a toll on the on the writing process? And it's hard to say. Like I, I actually, what one of the things that happened early on with the, with, um, uh, you know, back in spring of two thousand twenty we it seemed almost like parallel with the lockdown but a lot of people started coming to us um asking for music for this or that project um <clears throat> a bunch of stuff suddenly came through and i found myself really busy uh and it was writing and actually it was writing you know like some of it was kind of jingly oriented, jingle oriented. Some of it was kind of cheap, but I'll, I'll, most of it was actually pretty compelling and um, challenging stuff. So um, I did end up writing a lot, but um, as far as Bar Brothers or music, you know, songwriting, um, it's been a real, like, in my mind, just kind of patient, uh, patient, slow accumulation. Here's what I realized. Um, in the past, we've always sort of considered our lot the live show. Here's the here's my sort of excuse or justification, or at least trying to solve why maybe it's taking longer. Because <clears throat> um, we have been writing and, and recording demos. We've got probably 20, 25 demos for for what, you know, we will be a new record. We're trying to finish them, figure out, you know, problem solve all the songs, figure out what collection of songs. But in the past, we've always sort of informed these decisions with the, the idea of a live show, of a tour, of a band that's gonna to play together. And I, I dawned on me recently why it's been kind of difficult to like figure out what to present. It's like, I, I don't, I'm not really sure what a live show is gonna look like. We've been talking about trying to, um conceive of a of a small capacity outdoor venue tour um with a more immersive sound experience a more kind of surround experience a more texturalized almost museum but kind of but still kind of gauche and and crumbling but um you know what the context of the live show is going to be definitely informs us even just even if it's subconsciously so um while i have been writing and uh and there is a a bar brothers record in there somewhere um it's been less clear to us like what what that next batch of music is going to look like i assume because it's harder to imagine what live shows are going to look like that's uh yeah, and, and I guess, yeah, it's been a, like making music has been in di different lately. Um, I mean, the solo record I made, uh, I finished, I don't know, I basically finished it late, like late, late winter last year, 2021. Um, but it had been something I'd been working on and, and, and writing alone became a, a just a, a sort of um, like like anything else, I became just very used to it. Where where before we'd kind of go in and write as a band, 
Um, but also just working on some of this other music, a little bit more ambient, a little more um, patient and um, just different than what we're used to. It, it definitely brought in elements that we're still trying to sort of understand and the approaches and directions that we're still trying to um, wrap our heads around. So a lot of simmering. Yeah. I like the word patient and ambient that you're saying. Like that's, I really found that with the Bar Brothers live show, I very immersive and very dynamic and just like, it, it's an experience from front to back. And I think that's kind of what you alluded to, like knowing how the live show is going to be when you write it. Um, that's how it feels to me anyway. When Like uh, the last time I saw you guys was in Fredericton, just a, uh, I think it was a Charlotte Arts Center. It's just a really small, really intimate show. It's like like almost like an old schoolhouse kind of yep. thing. Yep, I remember. Yeah, yeah. and I, I just found that just like very patient, very immersive, and just the ups and downs and then absolute silence. And that was a that was a good venue for it too, because it everybody there I think knew what to expect and was familiar with your music. So at the real, at the peaks and at the real low valleys, everybody respected those silences. I remember, and, I remember that. Oh, it's so, so powerful and it. Yeah. It's, I, I just don't know how, I, I really respect that way of writing and the ability to pull that off in a live setting. And the respect it needs from the audience that you earn and that just oh it it is it made me speechless it was one of the one of the highlights of music that i've seen you play and i i mean like i said i've been a fan and i'm babbling about it but i've been a fan since i first started going to live music in my early teenage years and it's been the slip and then the bar brothers and surprising mr davis and the whole nice the whole collection right so it's just it's it's fun to watch the progression it's fun to see the different projects and the different uh just the influences and the different ways you can write for the slip and then for the bar brothers and then your solo album that i i listened to uh a clip from i think it's cleveland ohio's the clip that you just released yeah it's like a five eight timing yeah that's just i, I yeah. love it. i just love the I love your writing style. I love every project and I love just the, just hearing all the different influences and different genres that you're able to convey. That's very kind of you, man. I, I didn't, I didn't know, uh, I didn't know I was speaking with someone who had, you know, had that much history with us. So, so and thank you for that. Um, yeah, as, as you know, we've, like you said, you, you kind of alluded to it, like uh, there's a, I like to think we've cultivated a certain respect uh, with the audience, a give and take thing where, um, and we're very, we're lucky that way. We've also, we've also, you know, stuck to our guns as far as how we present the music and, and you know, the volumes, you know, just being able to do the whole range of things. Um, cultivated a certain, uh, the audience that, that we, um, you know, are fortunate enough to, to see come to our shows. Uh, I feel like it's, it's been a patient developing. It's not a, you know, we've never had success, the kind of success that brings a lot of people that don't know what the, what you know what is it you know just some uh, a hype thing uh, that would be cool <laughs> but but um yeah so our audience is it, like you said you know they come there at least knowing that um it might take a bit of effort it might take as much sort of listening on their part as it does on our part up there playing so that's cool. I thank I thank you and for you know, and each person is a part of that too. You know, you came to the shows back then. Next time you brought a few friends. You told them like you know whatever guys just you know 
maybe the singing's not so great, but wait till they get to the instrumental yeah. part. <laughs> um, you know, yeah, it's, yeah, we're, we're we're lucky that way, and you know, and also we've been quiet for I, I mean, Queens of the Breakers. I still think that's a you know our new record. It's like it'll be five years this November, so that's a that's a while to keep people waiting. I mean, yeah, that's uh that's half the Beatles' career gone by without without releasing a record, you know, right. so um. So all to say, yeah, we know we're on it. Yeah. Yeah. I, 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 I'm excited to hear more. Um, you released a few singles, I believe, in the last year. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, we put out stuff. Um, we also set up a Patreon page. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if, uh, if, if you're on that or not. Um, uh that's been we've been putting up a lot of a lot of stuff on that um yeah i saw some b-sides uh yeah from an older album i forget which one now but yeah i remember yeah, seeing I think some sleeping operator uh sessions I, I would i just found a hard drive from the queens of the breakers stuff with all these like early versions of of songs that i, I thought i should put those up there like like the first version of queens of the breakers which is just entirely different thing different lyrics different um but uh i think my favorite stuff we released was the uh red moth solar companion the in instrumental outtake from the um queens of the breakers stuff like just uh it just up like literally set up turn things on and, and start playing and that that came out um yeah i but I'm glad you noticed that we've been releasing some singles because it's hard, it's hard to get any, uh, it's hard to, to know if anyone noticed. Right. You know, I'll put it up there and uh, a week later I'll check and it's like, okay, just three comments and <laughs> some, some hearts on that. Okay. Yeah. What do I know? That's the industry now, eh? It's a uh, hearts and comments. It's yeah. all about hearts and comments and the attention, but it's, it's come and go. It's you release it, and the, the attention's that day, and then your old news the next day. The the comments are great. I like I like reading comments and and you know trying to respond. I it's really just me. I just don't know quite how to interpret a lot of it. Um, you know, I don't I don't like things on the internet. I I. I if this is an audio recording, I use quotes there. I, I, so not doing that myself, I don't really necessarily pay attention. Actually, I, yeah, <laughs> the truth is, it's kind of like, you said, I, I don't really, one thing I've learned is to, to have, to keep my expectations low, keep my hopes high, my, my standards high and my hopes high, but my expectations, kind of low, I guess, only because that seems like the best way to not get disappointed by expectations. I just mean like expectations, not my, doesn't mean I'm cynical. I'm actually, I think more, more, more optimistic than, than I should be. <laughs> um, one thing I wanted to ask you about, uh, just, as a refresher, knowing that I was going to get to talk to you, I just checked out your Wikipedia. And one thing I didn't know was that you played with Land of Talk back on uh, Fun and Laughter back in 09. Um, I, my brother was actually the, the drummer on most of that. Uh, I think Bucky might have, Bucky uh, Wheaton might have played on, on like half of it, but I think, because Andrew was the touring drummer in Land of Talk for a while. Yeah. And I believe that was the record. I walked into the studio to say hi. They're like, oh, man, do you want to take a guitar solo? <laughs> like, yeah, sure. They're like, what uh, What do you got? This handed me like some, you know, Jaguar or something. Uh, I think I, I think I spent all of 10 minutes. I maybe did it once, maybe twice. And it was done. If, if, if that's what you're referring to, that's yeah. like kind of a, crazy sh quick shredding solo 
that. Um, what was the name of the track? Do you remember? I don't remember. Um, it was only a, it was a four track EP, uh, 16 okay. asterisk, may you never as me and a series of small flames. Damn. Shame on me. I should know. Um, I should know Lizzie's repertoire better than that. I, I, I don't. Um, Lizzie Powell, the lead singer of Man of Talk. Yeah. She's incredible. Yeah, she is something else. Um, yeah, she's been sort of my, she's been my go-to when I think of like, a, the, what's the voice I want on this track? It's always Lizzie. She did a, the, soul, um, the album shows we did. She was uh, what we did, uh, three night runs in, um, in the, the Montreal, um, what do we do? Montreal, Toronto and San Francisco, I think. And uh, she, she came and sang with us. She she would open the shows and then and sang with us. And she's also she also um, babysat my son for for a bunch of years. She was nice. not because not because she needed work, but just because she she really likes hanging out with kids. She likes dancing. She has a whole other Instagram uh, page that's just her where she just puts her her dance videos. Oh really? That's awesome. I don't, I don't know if I'm supposed to say that, but um, I don't. I don't know. Check that down. I don't know the name of the uh, of the the whatever the the name of that Instagram thing, but um, she does it, and yeah, and she and my son, uh, we we share videos. I'll take videos of him. He like they would dance together. That's what that's what they did. She'd come over and dance with my son. Mm -hmm. um, so, and yeah, and she's just kind of the. She, I'm just in awe of the way she writes. She doesn't know what tuning she's in. She doesn't know what key she's in. She puts a capo on, she turns the tuning pegs to where it feels like a thing. She gets it open and then she just starts moving and she starts moving these around. And then it's like, okay, that's where it's, and that's how she writes. It's all feel. No theory. It's all feel. That's awesome. It's, it's amazing. I did that's not how I should write. That's how I should do it. <laughs> Yeah, they're incredible. I've seen I've seen them a few times. Um, I caught them on tour with War on Drugs, and yes, Lizzie's are incredible. I just saw the saw the uh, connection, and I knew your brother drummed on one of the albums for sure. And I knew he played like a, he was the touring drummer for a bit. I wasn't sure how much or like the the details, but Cloak and Cipher maybe was the yeah. I think so. I think that was the right before the EP maybe that you played on. Yeah. I remember. Broken yeah. Cypher was 2010 and Summer Lakes was 2008. So it would have been that right around that time frame for sure. Yeah, I think that was the one. Cloak and Cypher for sure. And then maybe Applause, applause Cheer Boo Hiss. I think that's the one I played on. Awesome. Oh. <laughs> Yeah. Well, so you can spark some memory. I'll go search the internet, figure out which one I played on. If I got <laughs> if I got credited, nice. I might, I might have taken. I might have told them to put a different name down. Or no, you said you saw my name. Yeah. Ah, cool. Nice to. I'm glad she came up in this interview. That yeah, means cool. that means we're on the right track. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I know this, the Slips got some shows coming up in 2022. Is it shows or I just saw like High Sierra, I believe. Yeah. And then I think we'll, we'll do a couple more West Coast shows while we're out there. Uh, um, and then I would like, I remember at the end of the last tour, the Slip tour in November, which was like eight or nine shows in a, in a two week period. I remember thinking this would be cool to do this annually, just a, you know, a week or two run of shows. Yeah. Just make it an annual thing. Because um, it was really fun to play. It was really fun to play with the slip. Um, for those of you that don't know, it's a, it's the, a trio, myself, my brother, Andrew, and a bass player, Mark Friedman. Um, we started the band when we were maybe 18, 19. 
uh, even younger, I think Andrew and Mark were 16, I was 18. And uh, sort of out of Boston, kind of all through the 90s, end of the 90s and first half of the 2000s. Um, very kind of prog rock, but but still, I don't know. I don't even know how to describe it. Lots of improvisation, more more kind of jazzy, I guess, than the Bar Brothers ever was. But um, and then we stopped playing around 2007. Just you know, going through a kind of. I mean, Andrew and I moved to Montreal, and um, but also the Slip was having kind of an identity crisis. Like we did not want to be called a jam band. We didn't want to be associated in the jam band scene. We, we, we were just kind of resented that. Uh, we weren't cool enough to be an indie rock band on the sort of, you know, new train of, of uh, indie rock with a modest mouse and built to spill and all the, you know, cool bands. Um, and we just were like, yeah, kind of in, in a no man's land and, and, and trying to, I remember me trying to figure out what to write, like how to write what this band was, you know, trying to push, a, impose a bunch of things on it. And then we just stopped. And to get back together on this tour without any of that baggage, where it was just letting the thing be what it always, letting it do what it always did best was really refreshing. I don't know why I went down that road uh, other than to say, uh, to tell people what the slip was if they didn't know if they're here because of the bar brothers and they're wondering but um the the lines were very clear for a while too like the slip uh the bar brothers surprise me mr davis which was our co collaboration with nathan moore the slip and nathan moore. very clear back then and now i'm kind of happy to say that it's all a little blurrier and the the repertoire can kind of not that we have Re, you know, appropriated it in the different projects. The, the repertoire basically stays the same, but it could mix up. I think the Bar Brothers has gotten a little, we've just let let our sort of um, improvisation and, and freak out uh, jamming roots come out more over the years. I find the slip has been able to, when our shows were, it was just kind of more restrained and had the, the parts where it needed to just lock into a song could do that. So yeah, happy to say it's, it's, it's all evolving in a nice way. And I, I feel like personally just getting um, better than I just, I, I feel like I am more satisfied than I ever was, but that could be an old guy looking back, you know, in no way Keith Richards is going to convince you that the new Stones record is better than Let It Bleed, but he'll try. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Well, that said, like, is is there going to be a new album for The Slip and Bar Brothers? Like, are we getting new music from both? Um, definitely, I think The Bar Brothers has is more, it's a little more urgent. It's a little more, it's necessary for us creatively and and just to keep that i mean the slip it's been longer obviously the slip probably is is more due due for a record to come out but um i think as far as our creative process goes we have to get a bar brothers record out before before that happens there is this sort of lost slip record from around 2009 that uh we keep talking about let's just put the, let's just like the mixes, there are all these rough mixes that we can't even begin to locate the original sessions that they recorded. So, you know, there's like, yeah, just a lot of rough uh, sort of, a lot of rough mixes, which, you know, like really rough. Um, but it would probably be appreciated and a good gesture and maybe a healthy thing for us to do also to, to just put it out there instead of sitting on it and yeah that'd be great was any of it ever performed live yeah some of it uh yeah uh, i think we uh, yeah you probably wouldn't 
be able to find it on a bootleg just because I think the only time we did was our last tour, which is a four day run in, in 2009 or 10. Yeah. Um, but songs like uh, Broke the Promised Land, uh, The Reverse Blues, Mother Wolf, these ones we were doing on the tour, Mother Wolf, um, Take the Bus, I can't remember. Chasing, chasing rabbits, chasing yeah. rabbits. These are all songs that, again, they're like, uh, <laughs> well, they're like over ten years old. But, but to us, they're kind of still the new songs because we, that's when we stopped. That's when there are, you know, musical evolution sort of arrested until this year. Yeah, yeah. I, would, I know a lot of people that would love a new Slip album. <laughs> um, and our brothers too I mean I, I'm excited to hear it all um, I'm really excited for the solo album because that's just that's just you and it's like, I like to get that feel from those those songs the, the other thing about that record is is it's not that it's only me who kind of wrote and recorded and produced it but it it's really just one just one me there's no um, there's no like studio production in terms of overdubs and like me trying to build something with synthesizers and many guitars and beats or anything. It's, it's just one guitar player at any given time, which, which was sort of the mandate and the challenge. Also the, the people that originally contacted me to, to write some new music or uh, a theater company out of New York, um, called the All for One Theater, who do exclusively one person shows. Um, and the guy who, the head of that company was a, knew my previous solo instrumental record called The Fall Apartment. He said he, he it had come to him somehow years ago and, and he liked it and wanted, was hoping he could inspire me to write a sort of, you know, volume two. And, and also that he wanted to to pay me to write the tracks because their theater company needed a bunch of music that they could use freely instead of having to, it said at the end of the year that they've paid, you know, such and such amount in, in licensing music. Why don't we just um, hire and support a, a musician to write a music, uh, write a new um, body of work. So that was also right kind of the beginning of the pandemic and really was a, was good, great fortunate thing to happen, um, but yeah. So I wanted to keep it in the in the spirit of one person. I wanted to keep it, uh, make it able all able to be performed by one person, without having like you know a sampling unit up there or a laptop. Right. Yeah, that's awesome. What's the name? What's it called again? The Winter Mission, which is. My attempt at a, a, a pun because the fall apartment was um, the fall apartment. I was wanted to keep this one, keep the sort of seasonal habitat theme running. Uh, and of course, we'd had this intermission in our lives, and I was making the music for a theater company. I want. I, it seemed clever at the time, and it was the winter when I was uh, making the majority of that music. It all seems clever now I, it's it, it's never a good idea to to, to use a pun in an album title whether it's your band name or an album title or a, a pun seems like a great idea at first but uh, <laughs> i love it uh where's the name the slip come from uh well in fact the slip um if you want to know the, the full story i'll try and do this without taking up too much time the the slip was um when I showed up at uh, my school, my high school, it was called Tabor in 1991. The Slip was actually a band at that school that had been formed the year before I got there. Um, mostly seniors who, who were, would then would graduate that year. But the one guy, there was one, the guitar player, the best, the most musical, sort of most uh, virtuosic and accomplished member of the band was a guitar player who was, happened to be in my class who um so when everyone graduated and john uh stayed he was like 
well, why don't you guys join the slip and it'll be us. So we're like, all right, let's be so. And, and back then in our high school, like the slip was a big deal to the, to the, you know, few hundred of us there. I mean, you kind of scale to this, you know, your world is your scale. And to me at that time in that place, didn't matter that nobody heard of the band outside of that school. It was like, all right, yeah, of course we want to be the slip. So um, we kind of joined forces and became the slip as uh, as its first incarnation. Um, and then when we graduated, uh, my brother who'd, who had been in this, this, who also was in the slip at the high school, he and Mark were in the same class and they started playing together a lot after I graduated there. They were there for two more years. By the time they graduated, the three of us um, moved to Boston together. Also, Mark, Andrew and I were the high school jazz band, like the three of us as the slip as as we are now, we're also the, the three members of the high school jazz band. So we had actually been playing together during the whole time that the slip was another thing. So, but to, to long story short, the name the slip came from apparently a drawing that one of the other members had made in 1991. And, uh, and we were like, well, can't change the name. Can't change the name now. Everybody, everybody knows the name of the slip. You can't just re rebrand. So that's it. That's the one. That's yeah. awesome. Well, Brad, thank you so much for doing this. This has been an honor for me. Like I said, been a huge fan my entire life. And this was a this was something I really look forward to doing. So this was awesome. Thank you so much. I'm really happy and and thank you. I do appreciate uh getting to be getting the spotlight put on me for a minute. Thank you so much. Right on. I hope to see you sometime soon in uh, New Brunswick or some anywhere else on the road. Yeah. Yeah. Say hi to all our friends all over there. I, I guess uh, Greg, Greg Hammings probably is, he's a, he's a, yeah. I'm sure he's a buddy and oh, just, yeah. All those guys uh, tell him we say, we say hi. Absolutely. Thanks a lot, man. Take care. You too. Yeah.